Hello, everyone. This is Bola from CleverGirlFinance.com and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. So today's podcast is focused on helping you prepare your resume if you're looking for a new job or if you're looking to transition between careers because your resume is the first touch that a recruiter or the HR department at a company has with you. And getting employed, especially at the right job, ties heavily into your personal finances because getting that job is going to earn you the paycheck that you're going to use towards paying off your debt, investing, saving, planning towards your goals, etc. So you want to make sure that when you get a job, it's not just a job that you like, it's a job that you love and also a job that pays you well. And to speak on this important topic, my guest today is Lauren McGoodwin. Lauren is the founder of Career Contessa, CareerContessa.com, which she founded in 2013 after working in recruiting for a tech company and experiencing a gap in career development resources for women who might be job searching, soul searching, leading and managing, or trying to find new ways to advance within their careers. And Lauren's career expertise has appeared in Forbes, Business Insider, Fast Company, Refinery29, and so many other places. And her brand, her business, Career Contessa, now helps over a million women navigate their careers each year through original career advice, job opportunities, and an inside look at companies hiring, online classes, and access to expert career coaches, all tailored to the needs of professional women. On this episode, Lauren shares the details of how she started Career Contessa, her own career journey, and how she transitioned out of her full-time job to launch her business. She also shares some really important advice and details on how recruiters find you, why your LinkedIn profile is really important, the makings of a perfect resume, what should a 100% be on your resume and what shouldn't, whether you should have a one-page or two-page resume, whether recruiters want to see your photo or your address on your resume, and so much more. But before we get into this episode, if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, please do. You can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and you can also listen to episodes on the Clever Girl Finance YouTube channel. And I would be super grateful if you have some time to leave a review of the podcast on iTunes, especially if you love what you're listening to. This way, other women can find the podcast as well. And don't don't forget to stop by clevergirlfinance.com if you haven't been there in a while because I have recently updated my resource library and I have a ton of new content on there to share with you, a ton of new resources, including some new budgeting tools. So let's get into this episode with Lauren. Hey, Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you on here to share your incredible advice about resumes because um, having the right resume is really important when it comes to getting to actually getting the job right and that ties into how much you earn and it ties into your financial so it's really important that you build the right foundation when you're looking for a new job and trying to either transition between careers start a new career or get the the job of your dream so I'm excited to be talking to you and I'd love for you to introduce yourself to the audience and tell them who you are. Yeah. Um, so my name is Lauren McGoodwin and I'm the CEO and founder of Career Contessa. Um, Career Contessa is a career development platform for women. And I like to say in the most basic form, we help women build successful careers and we have a variety of tools and, and means to do that. We give people access to career coaches. We have online learning um, and course development. We have interviews and regular expert career advice. We even have a jobs board and then company profiles along with webinars and a whole bunch of other stuff. So, um, it's kind of like, think of us as like your career center that you had in college, but we're way better and we're only <laughs> for women. 
<laughs> so, um, yeah, we, you know, it's what I do is super rewarding because unlike a lot of other career sites, we don't just focus on helping you find a job. We help you focus on figuring out what you want to do, find a job and how to be successful in that job. So like advocating for a flexible schedule cause you just had a child or advocating for, um, more responsibilities at work or additional pay or that promotion, whatever it is. That's awesome. And Lauren, your site is amazing. I was, you know, whenever I go to your website, I always tell myself that if I was to go back into the workforce or if I could rewind time to back when I was 24, getting my first job, your site would have been so invaluable for me because I remember trying to find my first job um, when I graduated from college and there was nothing like this that existed, talkless of, you know, specific career advice for women. And so it's such an awesome platform. I love what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of funny because when I started Career Contessa, everyone thought I was nuts to create a career site that was only for women, you know, only talking about specific challenges for women. Or, you know, if you, if you read our voice and our tone and you, you know, check out the look of our site, it's definitely more female oriented without being too, you know, I don't want like pink and unicorns everywhere. I don't want, (laughs) I I want us to be taken seriously, but you know, I also wanted to be like, look, you know, even though we are taken seriously, we can also have a nice voice and tone and, and look to what we do. Um, people thought I was crazy. They were like, I can't believe you're just doing that for women. Um, so it's, it's great to know that now, you know, over a million women every year read and benefit from career Contessa, um, and use career Contessa. So it's like, well, you know, obviously you were wrong (laughs) about (laughs) us not needing our own career site. I love that. And I'd love for you to share, how did you even get started with career contestants are wanting to launch this platform. So reaching a million women a year, that's a huge deal. So tell me a bit about your personal story. Where did the inspiration come from? Basically, why, what, how? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. So gear up. It's a little bit of a long story because career contestant is really this perfect combination of um, personal experience and professional experience, you know, really coming together to create this. So I um, was in college to become a teacher. I was an education major. I thought for sure I wanted to be a second or third grade elementary teacher. And so I didn't really give my career much thought because I thought it had it all figured out. And then somewhere along, uh, in my junior year of college, I was like, I do not want to be a teacher that I would be miserable. And so I kind of had to like, you know, basically start over or for the first time, start to think about what I want for my career. And I, um, I couldn't change my major. It was a little too late in the year to, to change it and still graduate on time. So that was my first introduction to utilizing the career center. So I went to every career event. I, you know, went to all their workshops. I had informational interviews. I was desperate to sort of figure out what I wanted to do. Um, Mm -hmm. I still graduated college in 2009, not the best year to graduate. I graduated in 2009 with no job, no idea of what I wanted to do. And yet I was a straight A student. I was part of a gazillion clubs and organizations. I'd had a few internships in the sports marketing and event marketing side of things. So, you know, I, I kind of felt like I had been checking all my boxes really, really well. And so it came it was definitely a bit, a huge shock to sort of move home and, and not have what I thought, you know, my ambition had driven me toward. Um, and so I, I did get a part-time job, um, working for a nonprofit and that was great. And then my boyfriend now husband at the time was, uh, his job was moving him to Los Angeles and I decided to move with him because I thought, okay, well, you know, it's 2009 there, the job market in Portland was really, really bad. So maybe I just need to move to, 
a bigger job market and things would be better. And so I moved to LA and I remember, you know, I had decided, and I'm sure I decided this based off of like reading a magazine or watching the Hills on TV or something <laughs> like that, that I wanted to work in PR. Um, smart for the companies that I interviewed with to not hire me because I would not have been a great PR agent and it would, <laughs> I wouldn't have been happy there. So anyway, I came to LA and I was interviewing. I was again, very unsuccessful. I ended up getting a job working for a university as an admin assistant. And when I went into interview, I just knew I was like, this is not going to be, um, this is just not going to be <laughs> the, the job for me. It, it, I'm going to be kind of miserable, but I took it anyways. Cause you know, rent doesn't pay itself. Um, so I was in that job that I absolutely hated for almost three years before I ended up getting my recruiting job at Hulu and becoming a recruiter at Hulu was, you know, a pivotal moment for me because I went from a job that I really didn't like in a culture and company environment that was not a good fit to all of a sudden those things were a great fit. I loved the work. I loved the people. And so I was really, really successful at Hulu. And, you know, I talk a lot about my personal journey of like being in this know nothing job and how to transition into Hulu. Um, so I won't, I won't retell it a hundred more times here, <laughs> but basically I, I used informational interviews. So I had about 70 informational interviews while I was working at the university with recruiters to kind of, and I, no, sorry, I reached out to 70 people, about 30 of them got back to me. And I used those informational interviews to help me figure out what it was like to be a recruiter, what type of skills were, were required, what type of work environment did I, you know, company environment did I want to go into? Um, and those really helped me pinpoint that I wanted to work for a startup and I wanted to work in university recruiting. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I always say, you know, I didn't get the job because I was the most experienced in recruiting at Hulu. I got the job because I was the most passionate and I was, I was really actually probably working the hardest to get the job. And, um, I'm really thankful that they took a chance and, and, you know, I ended up being a great employee for them as well. Um, when I, when I went over to Hulu, so I was having this personal experience, you know, of struggle job searching, I had done everything right, yada, yada. Um, so now I'm at Hulu and I'm thriving and I love it. And literally everything in my life was, was getting better. You know, my relationship was better. My friendships were better, that kind of thing. And a lot of that is because when you're a happier person, you know, you're just more pleasant to be around. Um, but I was also, I had also enrolled in a master's program when I was working at the university. And so I was about three quarters of the way through and I was working on my thesis and I decided I wanted to write my thesis on sort of what I had just experienced. So career resources and millennial women. And what was the correlation between us being extremely ambitious, but really lacking direction, right? We had kind of, like, I had felt like I had played the game really well. I checked all the boxes, but I was still really, um, clueless when it came to work and all that kind of stuff. And so career Contessa was the prototype for that thesis project. So I had my experience being on the other side of the hiring table. And now as a recruiter, I had a whole nother piece of experience because I was gaining insight into, okay, what do we do when we look at resumes? How do we recruit people? Who gets to interview? Who impresses the hiring manager? So Career Contessa is, like I said, it's this combination of personal experience and professional experience. And then the first prototype being in that thesis project that I wrote um, or the thesis project that I was uh, working on. And then I graduated. So I thought Career Contessa was really just so I could graduate and say I had a master's, but I was traveling... <laughs> 
So part of my job at Hulu is I was traveling a lot with developers and we were going to like career college university career fairs and looking for software developers and all that good stuff. And, um, one of the developers who I think of as sort of like a mentor was, was asking me a lot about my thesis and we were talking about it and he was like, well, what are you going to do next in your career? Like you're not, you know, are you going to get out of recruiting and use it to do something else. And I was like, yeah, maybe I'll become like a product manager. I'm really interested in that. He's like, well, I hope you have a website. And I was like, well, I kind of do, but I wasn't thinking about keeping it going. He's like, you should definitely keep it going. So career Contessa officially as a company started when I was still working in recruiting at Hulu. And originally it was started just so I could leverage it into another career, you know, job opportunity. But when I left Hulu, I was sort of thinking about what I wanted to do next. Um, well, I should, I didn't leave without having a plan. When I was thinking about leaving Hulu or thinking about what I was going to do next, I kept comparing all the job opportunities that were coming my way to running career contests full time. And I think by the time I had come to the conclusion that I was going to leave Hulu and work on Career Contessa full time. Um, one, I had worked on it already for about a year and a half with the you know stability of a full-time job, but also I just felt really compelled. I felt like women in the workplace need something that's talking to them and helping them. And because I had been involved in recruiting, I was also getting some involvement in talent development. And I was realizing that, you know, the only person that runs your career is you. It's not your boss. It's not your manager. And we really needed like tools and resources to help us. And, um, I think for women, lifelong learning is definitely an interest of ours. So I wanted to, I wanted something that was like not boring and, you know, something that your six year old, you know, white haired manager probably created. I wanted something that was hip and young and fresh and relatable. And, um, so that was the vision I had for career Contessa. That's Sorry, incredible. Long story. <laughs> no, it's, I love that you shared, and I also love that you um, you talked about the fact that you were working full time and you had a great job that you loved, but you had this idea for career contessa, and you went ahead and you still pursued it, and you tested out its potential to determine, okay, is this something that I can really do? And I feel like a lot of women are in careers where they love their jobs, um, or they like their jobs. Let's just say, <laughs> and they have an idea for a business or something, you know, something that they identify that there's a gap in their industry or just something. They have this amazing idea. And it's like, do I pursue this knowing that I have things going so great for me right now? But like Mm -hmm. you did that. I did. I loved my, I loved my job at Hulu. I would have never left had I not felt like now I have this like weird responsibility to, all the women like me out there to do it. You know, I felt like if I don't do this, who will? And I had recently gotten, I didn't get passed up for the promotion. They just gave it to a guy who had been on the team for like three months. And I had been there for three years Mm -hmm. and like, I didn't even really know there was a promotion, so to speak. So I guess I, I didn't, I wasn't trying for one, but they basically put him in charge of me. And I was like, (laughs) excuse me, you know? And so I felt really like that was the first time where I was here or I was working and I was like, wait a minute, like, did I not advocate for myself? Like, where did I go wrong? And I just remember Googling it and it was like, Oh my God, none of these things are what I'm looking for. And none of these things are speaking to me. And they were all really boring and they were all based off of like, you know, um, the way things were done 20 years ago. And so anyway, the, you know, I loved my job, but I kind of think that that was a turning point for me to be like, 
no, there's got to be a place out there that when this stuff happens, or I remember my colleague next to me, she was like one of the first women to ever have a baby at Hulu. Cause Hulu was pretty young at that time. We were only like six years old or something like that. And I remember her being like, yeah, I mean, like where, who do I talk to about like, what's our maternity leave policy, you know? And, and so the bigger companies, sometimes they have more structure and that's great. But even when you have more structure, it can be frustrating because it's like, um, okay, this is the way it's been, but I want to change it. And then if there's no structure, then it's frustrating because it's like, well, I, I don't, we don't know what the policy is here. So can we talk about some ideas? So there just wasn't, there just wasn't a lot of places where you could go to have that outside of your friends and your family. And look, your parents are great, but you know, their advice in the career world is sometimes relevant, sometimes not. And your friends, even them, like, unless they're doing the exact same thing you're doing, it's, you know, it's helpful, but it's, it's maybe not the right place to get advice. And you don't want your friendship to always turn into just talking about work, you know? That's true. That's very true. Well, I'm so glad that you shared your story. Um, that's really interesting. <laughs> um, so let's shift gears a little bit and let's kind of get into the whole making sure that you have the right kind of resume you have the right kind of I guess it's your it's your first it's a first glimpse or first look into you that mm-hmm. a recruiter or an HR department has when they're trying to fill a position right so you, so folks want to make sure that they mm-hmm. get it right and I feel like there are so many little mistakes that women are making on their resumes and I wanted you to kind of talk us through that so yeah. in many instances like I mentioned a person's, a woman's resume, someone's resume, that's the first touch a recruiter or an HR person um, at a company has with that candidate, right? They've never seen mm-hmm. your face. They probably won't see your face when they're, you know, <laughs> they, they yeah, get your resume. You have, yeah. And hopefully you don't have your photo on your resume. Um, <laughs> first, no, no. <laughs> yeah. First, no, no. Um, look, there's two ways that recruiters um, find candidates. They source them off of LinkedIn. So your LinkedIn profile is extremely important as well. Um, Um, Because LinkedIn Recruiter, which is the name of the sourcing tool, is extremely, extremely popular and it's really helpful and it's really easy for us to go out and find a candidate for the job. The second thing that we might do is um, go through the resumes that have been submitted online, whether we go through each one or we use the applicant tracking system to put in some keywords and it sorts through them and, and shows us the resumes that fit our criteria. And then the third way that we would get a candidate is through a referral. So if an employee says, Hey, this is my friend's resume. She's really interested in a job and I can vouch for her. Um, okay. Referrals are, you know, an ideal situation because we know that, um, our employees are our number one, you know, kind of marketing tool for us. And if they think this person would be a good fit, then it's worth checking it out. And I'm not going to lie. It's always nice when you're a recruiter, you, you are not just, hiring for one job. You're hiring for like maybe 50 jobs at a time. So, you know, while the job might be the most important thing to the applicant, it's, it might not be the most important thing to me because maybe I have a higher priority job that I'm trying to fill. So, you know, when it comes through as a referral, it's really nice because it's basically, you know, it's like your friend telling you which hairdresser to go to. You're like, well, that was, that saved me a lot of time and energy. And I know that you wouldn't go to someone who isn't great. And I don't want to go through trial and error of getting my hair cut off and then, and then be like, whoop, that didn't work. You know, it's kind of the same thing with recruiting. So referrals are great, but even if you were came through as a referral, we're going to want your resume. We're going to want to look at LinkedIn. So 
Absolutely. If you are thinking about if you're actively job searching or even passively job searching and passively job searching is kind of the idea of like, I'm maybe I'm not applying and looking for jobs on a day-to-day basis, but if a great job show, you know, appeared in my inbox or came across my lap, I would want to apply for it. And a big mistake that people do is they think that their resume is only required when they are currently job searching. Actually, a great resume is something that you should have at all times for that reason, you know, because if your friend says, hey, we're hiring for this dream job of yours, send me your resume and I'll send it to the recruiter. You don't want to have to take two weeks to to update it and you you want to have something that's ready to go and update it. So like, you know, even though I'm explaining the three ways that we mostly get candidates, you can tell that resume is pretty much the common denominator in all of those. Yeah. Your resume is super important. So I love what you mentioned about referrals because a lot of times, you know, we look at companies or women look at companies they want to work for and they go to the website and they apply. But if you know someone, if you're listening to this and you're, you would love to work for a certain company or in a certain industry and you know people who are working at that company or in that industry, you can ask them, you know, if you can use their name as a referral or if they have a referral program that way when the resume pile start to hit the recruiter or the HR t- HR person's table, they have your name in the referral pile, referral pile, which like you said, Lauren, is mm-hmm. something that they tend to like to, or they tend to lean towards, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we're always going to be happy with those. Um, but just because you don't know someone that works at that company doesn't mean you can't build a relationship with someone at that company True. or doesn't mean that you can't find the recruiter or the hiring manager, whoever you think is, you know, um, going to be the, you know, interviewing for that job doesn't mean you can't find their information and try to send your resume directly to them. Um, a lot of people are doing what you say is like, they just follow the directions exactly as they see them. And what I try to encourage people to think about, especially with job searching is be much more flexible in your vision of what job searching is today. Be much more creative, right? There's, um, the way that we ask you to do it. And there are plenty of people that just follow the way that we've asked you to do it. And they never get more creative than that. Or, you know, we've always had sort of this traditional format for a resume. And so they won't, they won't kind of, they basically stay in the square box and you are, you know, I would always encourage people to be much more flexible with their vision of what it is to apply successfully for a job. That means, you know, resumes used to show off all of your experience, whether it was relevant or not. That's not really the trend anymore. The trend, because we have LinkedIn, for example, is to only put on your resume, the information or the experience that you've done. That's super, super, relevant to that job or that company. Um, so if you've had, if you've been working for 20 years, I don't want to see every job that you've had for the last 20 years. In fact, (laughs) if you do that, I will absolutely probably put your resume in the trash because it's overwhelming and I don't have time to go through it, you know, but that's because we've also changed a lot in the fact that you used to, to apply for a job, you used to have to go through a newspaper and send a paper resume into them. Right. Yeah. Now people can apply online, which means they can click apply and that the job is done for them. Well, that while that's great for you as a recruiter, that isn't always great for me because that means people apply for our jobs who never finished reading the job description, don't know what we do as a company. And we've made it so simple that they apply to a hundred jobs because their strategy is uh, what we call spray and pray. They spray their resume everywhere and they pray that someone will pick it up. And it's like, that is one, not going to happen. And two, it's a terrible strategy. Um, because like I was kind of going back to my Hula story, I wasn't the most experienced, you know, recruiter 
recruiting coordinator when they were hiring, but I was the most passionate and I was probably the person working the hardest to get the job. So I I just want to preface that in the fact that there's probably a few people who are like, well, I don't know anybody that works at that company. Yes. But how can you get creative to meet someone at that company, build a relationship with someone at that company, find the person hiring, um, and then email your resume directly to them, you know? So it's, it's kind of being really rigid with how you think about applying to a job versus being much more, um, kind of like creative destruction, be flexible with how you get there. I'm so glad that you share that. That's, <laughs> that is, but it, what you said is so true because, you know, when I first started looking for a job, when I first graduated from college, I went with the resume template that was on my college career center, whatever. And then mm-hmm. I just applied to so many places. I just copy pasted my cover letter. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Everybody does. And sometimes I would, I would be applying to company A, but I would have their company Z on oh, the, <laughs> yeah. that happened. All the time, honestly, sometimes it will still be highlighted too, like in their cover letter, you know, the company name that was to highlighted so that it would remind them to change it. It's still highlighted. It still has the other company that they applied for. And you're like, and you know what that does too? Not only does it show that you're not detail oriented, but let's say you are applying to work at career Contessa, which is a career site for women. And then the other place that you applied to work for is, I don't know, like, I don't know, like a male product that like a construction company, basically everything that you're telling me about how you're super passionate about career Contessa and you love everything we're doing. Um, it kind of goes out the window because now I can see that you're applying to work at this completely other place. That's completely opposite of what I'm looking for, or like what we're like. And so you know, you just, your, your storyline becomes, uh, less convincing because it's like, yeah, well, you're saying you're really interested in working at a career site that helps women, but here you are applying to work at, I don't know, like a construction company that makes construction loans to businesses in North Dakota. Like how are these two things related or something? Does that make sense? Like sometimes you can not only come across as not being detail oriented and you didn't check your work, but also it's like, you don't actually care what we do. You're just looking for a job. And recruiters are really, (laughs) really aware of that because hiring managers are really aware of that. And as a recruiter, my job is to bring the best candidates to my hiring manager. So my hiring manager feels like they've got a great pool of candidates and the right person's in here. And once they feel that way, I don't have to look at any more profiles because I don't, my goal isn't to overwhelm them with options. Right. And so I try to remind people or just educate them on the fact that recruiters want the, you know, the right candidates that are going to impress the hiring manager as well. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of problems with, with the not plugging in the right company into your template. Yeah. I'm laughing because I've been guilty, but one thing that, you know, and I know many of you who are listening, it's okay. There's no shame. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe no, I've awesome. been guilty. <laughs> I think that's how we were taught too. Like, I don't remember anyone when I was in college being like, Oh, tailor your resume and your cover letter to, you know, or like no one was teaching me how to learn about a company, you know, they were just, you how to, how, you know, check the box for a resume and check the box for a cover letter. Yeah. And sometimes you apply for a job when in all honesty, you just want a job. You don't really care what the company does because you're like, okay, I'll figure out. But one thing I found with myself was that, you know, for the companies that I made the effort when I was applying and I spent the time looking at what they were about and I actually got the job. I loved every single job that I had. So that's, that's really important. So Lauren, let's talk a little bit about what should definitely be 100%. What should be on a resume? 
Yeah. So the common sections that should absolutely be on a resume are experience, education, and skills. Um, if you, there's the, the sections that I think have been, uh, popular before have been like a profile or a summary or your, you know, your objective. I'm not actually a big fan of those. Maybe if you're completely transitioning careers, maybe you could put something on there that is, you know, the summary or the objective or, um, your profile. The reason why I'm not a fan of putting something like that on your resume is because it takes up very, very precious real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, a one page resume is in my opinion, extremely important. Um, there will be other recruiters that will tell you two pages are fine. So you, you end up having to, to trust your own gut on that. I like one page because I like people who can give me a snapshot of what is the most relevant thing that things that they have done to my job and my company. But I would say the next most important thing to have on your resume outside of experience, skills, and education is going to be contact info. And that contact info should include, always include a link to your LinkedIn profile. So that, that means that the person who has, you know, 10, 20, 30 years of experience. And they're like, how can I possibly fit that on one page? You have your LinkedIn profile that can show off your entire career history, um, where your resume is just showing me the the stuff that you've done that would be relevant to me because I'm one person. I don't want to get overwhelmed. The more information you put on there is not better. You know, we want quality over quantity when it comes to a resume. Um, so yes, I would say the, just to make it simple, the most important sections to have on your resume are experience, education, skills, and contact that includes your LinkedIn. Awesome. And I was going to ask you how long a resume should be. So you've answered that. So Mm -hmm. what should definitely not be on a resume, like a no-no? Um, so a photo, (laughs) your photo, um, it's just such, it just like sends the signal that like you haven't searched for a job for a while. And if you are returning to the workplace, do your research on, you know, the, how people are applying to jobs today. Like I said, like, I think it used to be that you would, um, maybe put a photo on some resumes or they might ask for it or something like nobody's going to ask you for that. And again, it's just taking up real estate space. Um, some other big no, no's, um, well, it's not really a big no, no, but we don't need it is I don't need your address. Um, because the reason why we used to ask for addresses is because we had to mail you a, um, offer letter. Now we will email you the offer letter. So make sure your email's on there, but don't worry about your address. Um, also, um, information that I don't need on there is like really, really old information. So if you had the job, you know, 10 years ago, unless it's extremely relevant and like what I mean is like, there's a point to telling me why you, why it's on there or showing that you did this thing. You don't need to put that on there. Um, I would say the other big no, no's I see on resumes is less sometimes about the information, um, and more about how it looks, you know, remember this is a human looking at your resume. If, if it looks confusing and ugly and, you know, not formatted correctly and really inconsistent, it's like, would you buy from a brand whose website was really messy and ugly? No, you wouldn't. Cause you, you, you refer to, or you interpret that design as meaning quality. And that's kind of the same thing I'm going to do with your resume, like a high quality, nicely designed, you know, easy to read a resume is um, a reflection on you as an employee and the work that you're going to do. So 
And then my last thing that I don't like to see on resumes is bullet point, like a lot of bullet points. So I don't want to see 15 bullet points under one job. Um, and I also don't want to see bullet points that are just your responsibilities. I want your bullet point to have a reason for being there. So instead of saying, you know, um, answered phone calls. So when I was an admin assistant, that's what I did. I answered phone calls all day. So instead of saying answered phone calls, cause that was my responsibility. It's like, how can I turn that into an accomplishment? So I used to say that, um, I answered, um, upwards of, you know, a hundred plus calls a day and returned email, um, inquiries within 24 hours. So like you can see that there's a big difference. Yeah, that's a great spin. Yeah. Versus answering phones versus, well, how many phone calls were you able to answer? How quickly, like, how can you turn what you do? And like I said, I am not above anybody in terms of like having jobs that are seem mind numbing and didn't have a purpose. And, you know, I used to say a monkey could do my job. So, you know, I, I want to make sure everyone understands, like I've done those jobs and I have figured out a way to turn them into an accomplishment and you can too, because everything, um, and if you're, and if you don't know how to turn it into an accomplishment, then what part of your job that maybe is really mundane, what part of that process could you be more strategic with, more proactive? How could you um, speed it up? Or, um, you know, for me, I was answering a lot of phone calls and I was trying to cut down on the time I would take with each call because we would get so many calls a day that otherwise people would be on hold or they would just it would ring and ring and ring and then they would, you know, eventually hang up because you're on the phone with somebody. So, you know, think about how you can problem solve with what you're doing. Yeah, that makes total sense because you when the resume gets past HR and it gets past the recruiting person and it actually lands on the desk of the manager or the director who's actually trying to hire hire the position in their department, when that person is looking at your resume because they're going to look at it too, they want to know what is this person going to bring to the table to help this team out, to help us manage our challenges. And so they want to know how you've taken initiative in the things that you've done, no matter how boring or, you know, low level your job may seem to you. They want to know how, like you said, what, what were the opportunities you found? How did you manage? How did you turn what you had into an opportunity? How are you, how did you manage all that? So that's really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So Lauren, let me ask you this. Um, A lot of people have things like hobbies and, you know, (laughs) what? They have things like hobbies and extracurricular activities that they do on their on their resumes. Um, what is the, I guess, the etiquette around that? Do you want to, I mean, I know you guys want to see, recruiters want to see a well-rounded person, right? Mm-hmm. But when is it enough? <laughs> yeah. So one, only what's relevant, right? So if you are a volunteer for, um, I don't know, the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and all you do is show up occasionally to a meeting here and there. It's not super relevant because if I asked you about it, you can't really talk about it. Um, But uh, if you are a volunteer or you, I don't know, for your alumni association, and one of the things you do is you help put on the annual gala, or I'm just making this stuff up. That's a lot more interesting when I ask you what you do as your extracurricular or, you know, as a volunteer, you can speak of it. So I think the first um, kind of like questions I would ask yourself is like, how involved am I with it? Am I involved enough that if they asked me about this on a resume, I could talk about it and it would be interesting and it would be relevant and, you know, spun in a way that would be beneficial to me as an applicant for this job and company. Um, 
The second thing about like extracurriculars is, you know, think about them as a company. If your extracurricular is that you do graphic design on the side, then and you're applying to be in, you know, a social media coordinator, then that additional skill that you have might be really beneficial to your role there at the company. But if you run um, a website on the side and you make online courses, then you're really showing to them that your, your motivation for this job is a paycheck and not so you can add benefit to them as a company because really your heart and soul is in building this company on the side that's yours. So I, I always tell people, I'm like, think about it from their side of it. Like how, is what you're doing beneficial to them or how is what you're doing something where when they asked you about it, you could speak of it. Um, we used to have this term that we use called glitter and glue. You know, your glue is your experience and, and, um, the skills, you know, the hard or soft skills that you have that would be beneficial to the company. And the glitter is like the extracurricular. So we don't, we don't need a ton of glitter, and, and, but we, we have to have the glue. So your glitter that you add to your resume should only be there if, if it's going to help you and, and it's going to be something that you want to talk about and you're comfortable talking about it. Otherwise do not put that stuff on your resume. Mm-hmm. Okay, good advice. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> does a cover letter really matter? Um, it depends. I think today cover letters are starting to matter a lot more because, um, I think again, when we used to, when we went from job applications being, you know, something that you would mail in, um, you know, first of all, that barrier of entry was the person had to be reading the newspaper and in and mailing in and printing out a resume and all that. Now it's so easy to apply for jobs that a cover letter can really help make you stand out among other applicants. It can also show off your writing skills and it doesn't matter what job you have. You have to be a good writer and a good communicator. Um, so I think it's never a bad idea to go the extra step to write a cover letter. Um, especially if you are transitioning careers and it's some, not something that you have quote quote experience in before. I think cover letters really matter. Um, if they ask for my, my usual quick answer to this is if they ask for a lever, cover letter, yes, you have to do it. If they don't, you could also get away with not writing one. If your summary on your LinkedIn profile is really well written. So your summary on your LinkedIn profile, remember you're adding a link to your LinkedIn profile on your resume, um, is the place where you get, I think about 2000 characters to tell us the story of who you are, what you do and what you're interested in. So you could, you could pass on the cover letter and, and put the focus in your summary. You should have a summary on your LinkedIn anyways. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm sort of a fan of cover. I'm becoming more of a fan of cover letters because I think that it's another one of those things where the average person won't do it. And if you just go above and beyond what the average person is doing, my goodness, you will stand out. (laughs) Most people don't do any of this stuff. Yeah. So go above and beyond. And that's what the clever girls who are listening to this podcast are all about anyway, going above and beyond. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like, what's the point on doing it if if you're not going to do it right? Exactly. Yeah. That's, (laughs) and I hate to tell you all, but if you do get into the job where you, you, you know, gave a half-assed try to it and you get the job and then you start working there, you're going to hate it and you're going to start job searching all over again. So you might as well put the effort in (laughs) from the get-go so that you don't have to job search in, you know, in one or two years because now you're bored of this job, you know? Yeah, that's very true. You know, doing the research to learn about the company, um, creating the perfect resume using the tips that Lauren has just provided and just making the extra effort going above and beyond makes all the difference. And it may not seem like it, but that's going to help you doing those things 
is what's going to help you get the job that you really want. And if you get a job that you really want, you're going to be happier working for that company and mm-hmm. you're less likely to want to cha- change your job every few months because you can't stand it there, because you hate the company, because you hate the work, yeah. because you've already done the groundwork ahead of time. Yeah. And I, I really am a huge advocate for don't search for a job, search for a company, you know, jobs change, um, bosses change, but companies and their, their values and what they offer employees and how they treat employees. That's, that's not going to change And at least it's not going to change quickly, you know? And so, um, I think it's really important to focus on targeting companies instead of targeting jobs and salaries. Exactly. Awesome. This has been great, Lauren. I appreciate all this amazing information you've shared. And I wanted to ask you, what is your Clever Girl superpower? I think my superpower is that I am really good at building, but not just building, maintaining relationships. So I love meeting new people and I love staying in touch with them. And I love, um, you know, seeing how I can help them. And I, I've realized, I think as a recruiter, I was sort of a natural at that, but as a business owner, you have to do that to be successful. You have to build and collaborate and maintain relationships and work with other people. And so, um, as I've sort of done, been an entrepreneur longer and longer these days, I've realized that that's, that's a superpower and that a lot of people, um, they might know that, but they don't always put the effort into doing that. And I, I've consistently put in an effort with that. And that's so important. I can definitely attest to that fact (laughs) because I think we met last year or earlier on this year and I've learned so much from you and you're just very open and giving and you love to share and you're all about maintaining your relationship. So I think that's, that's definitely your superpower. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you. And, and likewise, I, I mean, I, that's the, you know, that's the funny thing about building and maintaining relationships is that the more you give, the more you get back from it too. So it's, you know, it's one of those things that rewards you almost immediately, which is nice. (laughs) Thank you. So for the ladies who are listening that want to learn more about you, more about Kirk and Tessa, where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, our website is www.careercontessa.com. Um, Contessa, just like the barefoot Contessa on the Food Network. <laughs> um, we are at Career Contessa on every single social media channel you can think of. Um, we have actually a really fun Instagram, so we're probably the most active there. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then we also have, for anybody who wants you know help with the, the resume, we actually have an online course called the 24-hour resume makeover. Um, so in less than two hours, you can have a brand new resume. And we even give you four resume templates so that you don't have to design a resume in the, a Word doc. We've already done the hard work for you. We've designed the resume templates. You just pick which one you want and you input your information. Um, and if you use the code RESUME, all caps RESUME10, so the number 10, mm-hmm. um, you can get 10% off for Clever Girl um, listeners. Awesome. And I'm going to include that on um, in the show notes. So I'll add the link to the course and I'll add, add, add the link to the coupon code. And um, guys, you have to check out the Kirk and Tessa Instagram page. It is so much fun. <laughs> and their website well, is, <laughs> it's so much fun, honestly. And it's, it's actually funny and it's, 
when you're having a down day in your job or at your job, you can go check out their page and you'll kind of brighten up. (laughs) And the website is a wealth of information. So I've contributed to the website as well. And it's just, it's really awesome. I wish it was around when I was 24 looking for my first job. And even when I was working in my career, it it has some really incredible information. So I highly, highly recommend that you ladies go check out careercontestant.com and I'll put the link to the course in um, in the show notes. So thank you so much, Lauren. This has been awesome. I appreciate your time and I appreciate you sharing these tips with my audience. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening into this episode with Lauren and you got some key tips to help you create that perfect resume as you go out job hunting. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, like I mentioned at the beginning, please do. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and you can also listen to episodes on the Clever Girl Finance YouTube channel. And I'll be back again soon with a brand new episode. Thank you guys so much for listening and talk to you soon.